Hi, and welcome to What's Going On in Banking. I'm your host, Ron Shevlin, Chief Research Officer at Cornerstone Advisors. A couple days ago, Acting Comptroller of the Currency, Michael Sue, gave a speech at the Brookings Institution, and he suggested that banks whose size inhibits, inhibits their abilities to address internal weaknesses and comply with regulations may need to be broken up. Uh, he went on to say that the negative impacts of too-big-to-manage and too-big-to-fail banks are immeasurable, and can take years to mend. He proposed a four-stage framework for determining if a bank reached a set uh, a stage for when they were, quote, too big to, to manage, and said the design logic of an escalation framework is to use the threat of restrictions and divestitures to force banks to prove that they are manageable. Now, to help me make sense of these comments and its impact on banks and the banking industry is Rob Blackwell. Chief Content Officer and Head of External Affairs at Intrify. Rob is actually host of his own podcast, Banking on Interest. And I'm sure many of you remember Rob from his days at American Banker, where he was editor-in-chief. And before that, uh, I believe he was the Washington Chief Bureau. I hope I got that right, Rob. Thanks a lot for joining me today. Oh, my pleasure, Ron. So, Rob, what was your take on Sue's comments and the, the reality of it and what you think the impact is going to be on the industry? So... On the one hand, I think it's a tremendous speech. We've never seen a comptroller come out of the box like that and say, and really talk about too big to manage at all. At some point, I was describing it to someone as, as the arguably the biggest speech that the OCC and a comptroller has ever given about too big management. And the problem, I really couldn't think of another one. So on the one hand, it's a very strong speech, as you said. He's outlining steps to escalate a problem and very much implicitly threatening to break up a bank if they can't solve their management problems, or prior to that, really firing management or getting management out the door somehow. So I, I, I think it's a remarkable speech on that side of things. I, I think at the other stages, what's really interesting is it didn't really move the ball anywhere because I'm, I'm not sure people are taking it seriously, and that's because they are looking at examples of, say, Wells Fargo, which has obviously it, it, many on the left want to break up and argue should is too big to manage. So they're making that argument and they're saying, well, why haven't you done more? And if this is this is an interesting speech that you're giving, but you know th there was a time to act on this and you haven't done it. So you have this dichotomy. On the one hand, on paper, it is a remarkable speech and, and I think quite a powerful one. Uh, on the other hand, you just have on both sides of it, uh, progressives are unhappy with him because he isn't he isn't making any indication that he's going to escalate anything with Wells. And then e even some in the industry are sort of shrugging their shoulders and being like, okay, I mean, it's a fine thing, but they don't really believe that the OCC has any intention of moving forward with any of this framework anytime soon. Yeah, I was going to ask you, and I kind of want to parse your comments out a little bit. Is this really about Wells Fargo or are there other financial institutions and slash banks that are in the crosshairs of this. I would argue it's probably more about the future than it is about Wells Fargo. Uh, so I, I don't know if he has a specific target in mind. He may not. I think this is sort of the Wells Fargo of the future. If you remember, obviously Wells Fargo for a long time in Washington was seen as the poster child doing everything right. I mean, they were, it's kind of hard to, hard to recall back that far, um, but then they had the phony account scandal, which blew up on them. And then when regulators were getting into that, they, they started uncovering all these other problems. And it has now been through a massive change in management. And it just had another record fine, but that fine with the CFPB 
was done uh, was to fix existing problems that are sort of were already baked in as as they weren't new issues they were just issues that had been under uncovered during all this look so i i don't think that comptroller sue was coming out and saying this is the steps i'm going to use against wells fargo i'm not even sure wells fargo took it that way i i think it was more like well listen this is what's going to happen if we run into this situation again, and, and he never mentioned Wells Fargo by name, I should say that Wells Fargo never commented on the stories here. And, and I think probably was smart to sort of stay out of it. Um, but that's why you have progressives so unhappy. And yet Senator Elizabeth Warren coming out and saying, you know, it's past time for you to act against Wells and you haven't done that. And there's no indication you're going to do that. And I certainly did not read this speech as, yeah, I'm, I'm moving against Wells Fargo. Much more of a, I'm laying down a marker and the next time we have a situation like this, we're, we're going to handle it in a tougher fashion than we did this time around. Now, Rob, does the OCC even have the authority to break up a bank? Well, that's a really good question. And, and could they do it, do it unilaterally? But one of the interesting things is he, he had a step before breaking up forcing divestitures, and that step was putting growth limits on a bank. And everyone's like, well, look, there are growth limits on Wells Fargo right now. And that's true, but they are not growth limits put in place by the OCC. They're put in place by the Fed. The Fed was the one who imposed that restriction. The OCC did not. So the, the question is, yes, I, I think they do have power to do things like growth limits. Divestitures is a whole untested area. And, and then we're going to get into, you know, post Dodd-Frank coming down to, you know, what kind of shape is the bank in? If the bank poses a systemic threat, that is, its failure could cause a domino effect that takes out a bunch of other banks, then absolutely, I think there's, there's a pretty good sense that regulators have the power to force divestitures to prevent that, um, it, it, particularly through the living will process that gives the FDIC and the Fed a lot of leeway. I don't know that it gives the OCC a lot of, a, a lot of leeway. So what's interesting there is the OCC probably could do something, but it would have to be working with other regulators. And and that's in a case where there's a systemic threat. If it's a case like now where there's a one-off event or a series of one-off events that indicates a bank is just keeps stepping into it because of a series of, you know, internal control issues and, and the like, I, you know, I, let's put it this way. I think that would be challenged in court. Could, could the OCC do it? I don't know. I, I, lawyers can hash that out and the courts could hash that out. But I think they'd have a fight on their hands. There's no doubt about that. Whereas in a, in a systemic event, I think it'd be a little bit more clear, or at least the, it'd be easier for the, for the regulators to act. In this kind of environment, I, I think they would face some serious blowback and, and, and lawsuits. You know, I'm wrestling with how this would actually play out if they were to actually take some action. You know, in a lot of really large financial institutions, they're aligned by line of business. There's banking, there's investment institutional trading and so forth, where it would be easy to break them out, especially, you know, you think about pre, uh, uh, I'm forgetting even the, the name of the regulations, you remember, you'll, re you'll remember back in like late 90s, early 2000s, when that was relaxed and allowed these big companies to kind of come back together. Uh, and I'm forgetting what the name of the regulation was, sorry. You're talking about Graham Leach Bliley, which... Graham Leach Bliley, thank you yeah. very much. Um, so, but I'm trying to picture like what would actually happen here. So you're going to tell Wells Fargo or some bank of that size that they have to split up their banking operations. And so what, are we going back to mid-sized community bank size institutions who are what? Just going to get scooped up by other large financial institutions at some point. Uh, it, it just, it doesn't, 
doesn't seem, I don't see where the benefits of this are. I think you raise a really good point, which is the devil, you know, we like to say the devil's in the details, but it's absolutely in the details here. Okay, so you're going to force divestitures. Where? How? How does that work? Who's being divested? Who's buying that up? And and this is a little bit of the case of, of progressives, you know, pushing for these kind of outcomes. I mean, people have been, Maxine Waters has wanted Wells Fargo to be broken up for years, but it's not really clear what happens if you do that. And, and, and of course, that's, that's laying aside the, the court cases that I said would, you know, would be happening. But let's assume they could magically wave a magic wand and make it happen. Exactly what gets cut off, where that goes, who's buying it. As you say, it, it just raises a whole host of other issues. And again, could be managed could we manage those issues? Could could that be done? Yes. Is it more likely that regulators will use other powers to try and force change? Also, yes. I, it, this seems like a, you know, a last resort kind of situation. And he's I think it's good in a way that he's coming out and acknowledging too big to manage exists. I think mean, a lot of us have seen these large organizations, and it raises questions about that, right? So he's at least acknowledging that there's a potential issue. But I, I don't think they're going to be jumping to divestiture for exactly the reasons you're raising and, and probably will much prefer to use other ways to discipline the bank. Yeah, I want to go back to one of Sue's comments, Rob, because it, it, it kind of challenged some of my thinking, even at, not even at the industry level, but at, at almost at a philosophical level. He said the design logic of an, es- of an escalation framework is to use the threat of restrictions and divestitures to force banks to, quote, prove that they are manageable. And I looked at that and said, well, maybe the problem isn't the size of the bank. It's the ineffectiveness of the people managing it. So maybe you have to prove that you're good enough to manage a, a, any company of a certain size. I think of that and said, well, gee, you know, uh, you put me in Wells Fargo, I might not be... Um, uh, I may not have the, the, the regulatory issues or compliance failures, but uh, no sure as hell, I can't manage my way out of a paper bag, so I'm not going to be able to manage a $3 trillion organization. So is the problem the size of the institution or the ineffectiveness of the people managing it? And, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that that's a th- theoretical question or not, or if it's a real question, but you see where I'm going with it? Oh, absolutely. I think it's, it's a really good question. Perspective. It's a really good question. I think you're exactly right. Uh, I don't know if people are listening to it. They can't see me vigorously nodding my head when you were talking because uh, that's exactly right. This, seemed, this speech seemed very directed at, look, you know, if you can't fix the problems, we will find managers who can. So much as everyone's talking about divestitures because that's the headline issue, I felt like what he was really doing is trying to send a message to to managers of big banks. Look, if you keep screwing up, you're gonna you're gonna be gone. But before everyone rushes and thinks that's a threat to Wells Fargo, I don't think it is because they already replaced their management. Um, they've had it replaced twice since these initial things were uncovered. So you know, and brought in an outsider, Charlie Sharf, to 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 run things. So I don't think it is directed as a threat at him. It's definitely directed as a threat, though, at other institutions. Look, if if you keep having the same problem. If we keep finding this issue over and over and you're, you're either not taking it seriously enough, in which case you need to go, or you're, you're trying to fix it and you can't, in which case you need to go and we need to bring in people who can. But yeah, I, I think you're, you're completely on the right angle. This is as much or probably much more about management signaling to management of these big banks than it is about any kind of, we're going we're gonna to go in and break up the big banks, which isn't happening anytime soon. 
Got it. I want to go back to one more comment. I raised this at the beginning as well. Sue, it said that the negative impacts of, quote, too big to manage and too big to fail banks are immeasurable. And what I thought interesting about that was he seemed to be lumping in too big to manage with too big to fail and wondering, is that, is that one and the same thing or are they, are they different? And from a legal and regulatory perspective, does this have any implications? Well, that's a really good question too. I guess my question, I would throw it back to you, right, would be, can we conceive of a bank that is too big to manage, but is not a bank that would be considered too big to fail? Maybe, no. but I don't think so. You know, or arguably as an intellectual exercise, could you separate those and say this bank, you know, through, through its management system, it, it's just too big to manage because it's involved in too many different things. I think it's unlikely. There's probably a very narrow slice of institutions in there that could theoretically fit, but it, but it, but it's unlikely. So I, it, in a sense, they go hand in hand. And re, I mean, him the whole talking about this is all about regulators trying to prove that too big to fail still doesn't exist. And, and their way to prove that is to say, look, if you get too big and you're proven, you keep making mistakes. And, you know, we talked in the speech about what are the signs of mistakes. And one of those is just, you don't, you sort of keep assuming it's one bad apple as opposed to a systemic problem in your own organization. And that's, he's clearly talking about times when examiners are seeing, you know, the, the bank uncovers a problem and they think, well, that's just this unit or that's just this person. Or, you know, I mean, Wells Fargo famously in the phony accounts situation just said, how many bad apples was it? It was like thousands of employees that they considered bad apples. And that didn't pass the smell test. But the point was the organization had that initial reaction of, well, this is just a one-off thing, man. This is not a, this is not a bigger issue. And he's saying that that's a real problem. And at that level that it reaches that problem, we see that you're not taking seriously enough. Management could go and yes, down the line, if management, you know, if for whatever reason, that's not take care of the problem, we could divest you too. But I, I think it's, I think the two issues, too big to manage, too big to fail, are, are, are linked in a way that's, that's going to be very difficult to pull apart. Rob, before I wrap things up here, anything else that stuck out from the speech that you think is newsworthy and people should, the industry should know about? Well, I did think, uh, you know, when I was reading the speech and, and saw it delivered, I did think, well, wow, people like Senator Warren are going to be really pleased because, you know, he's taking this issue seriously and moving the ball down the field. And, and, and I thought he would, not that, you know, she would be throwing him a ticker tape parade. I never thought that, but, but that she would be at least pleased directionally. But I got to say, he got, he got zero credit. I mean, she was tweeting out an implicit criticism. She was like, this is, I'm not sure it was implicit. It was explicit. She tweeted out immediately, you know, it is past time for you to act. It's past time for the OCC to act. And, you know, there's a bit bigger dynamic here of, you know, he's acting comptroller and, and the, the president has not nominated a full-time comptroller and we don't know that he will. He certainly doesn't have to. Acting comptrollers can stay there as long as the administration wants. But if, if there were some idea that, that doing this, you know, progressives have, have viewed uh, acting comptroller Sue a little skeptically, um, I think because he comes from the Fed and, 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 and that like, there was no sense that that had softened. And, and as much as I saw a lot of these consumer groups, these reform advocates, you know, in a way saying good things about the speech, they were always following it up with, yeah, but you didn't do it. You didn't do it in the case of Wells. And, and um, Senator Warren wants, to, wants something to happen with City too. And, and, and that's, that's what stuck out to me, just this way of that, you know, here he's giving a speech. He's in theory moving the OCC 
more the way that progressives have wanted bank regulation to be seen. And that's definitely, they're, they're not even seeing that as moving the ball down the court. They, they just view it as more of the same. And, and so it, it's just a really interesting dynamic to play out when, when, you, when you see a speech like that. That's as big as it is, and it's, it's a well-written speech. I encourage people to read it, um, whether you believe it or don't believe it. It's, it's really well thought out, but it, it still doesn't change as much as people think. You're just going to get these headlines, and then the headlines recede, and, and what's changed, and people don't, aren't sure that much has. Rob, thanks a lot for for your comments. I'll tell you what I'm really taken away from this that I hadn't thought of before is that I think you're you're making some great points that maybe to a large extent, maybe not to a total extent, but you know to some large extent, Sue's comments were just about as much as uh, about positioning and taking a stance towards uh, Warren and, and internal Washington as it was really to the banking industry, and I hadn't really thought of it in that light. So. Uh, thanks for enlightening me on it. I hope everybody listening feels as enlightened as I do. Thanks a lot for being on uh, What's Going On in Banking. Uh, and everybody listening in, I hope you enjoyed Rob's comments on Sue's comments about breaking up the big banks. I hope you, you can always uh, find us on your favorite podcast platform and I uh, hope you'll subscribe to What's Going On in Banking. Thanks. Thanks.